today, um, I have there a year of prayer and the presence of God. Boy, there's nothing like that. Amen? We, we have to seek the Lord. How many of things that they have to seek the Lord in right now? That means real, real circumstances. Yeah, and, and keep your hand up for a minute because you're not that tired. Come on, you're going to be cheering all afternoon. Do, do you really, really need the Lord for this? Do you really, really need the Lord? Then just keep your hand up for a moment. Father, we need you. We need you. In, look at, Lord, look at all these needs that we have. Lord, I think of Jehoshaphat, Lord, seeking the prophet. And this way, we just seek you through Christ. Lord, we need your help in our lives. Some need things straightened out. Some things need things healed, delivered, restored. Direction, Lord, healing. Let your power come, Lord. And we just whisper that request to the Lord. Be clear what you need. Just whisper and say, Lord, I need, and just say it. I need your clarity. I need your help. I need your power, your deliverance. Just ask him, Lord. And Lord, we're the church that looks to your presence, that you can help us in times of trouble. Bring your power. Demonstrate your, that you are God and you alone are God. In Jesus' name. And can you thank him in advance? It's by faith. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God is good. Amen. Today I'm talking about Victory Road. I'm excited about this series. You know, it's usually at the beginning of the year I try to tackle something that really gets us focused not only on disciplines but also to get our mindset and attitude. I'm really only making two main points today about the road. And just say it with me. Can you say Victory Road? Victory Road. This is where not that there's no trials on the road. It's not that there's no traffic on the road. You know, it's not that every sign says stop and halt and, you know, terrible things, you know, warning up ahead. Uh, you know, it's not that there's not a speed limit, you know, where we have to wait on the Lord and His timing, but it's that the Lord is driving with us. He is riding with us. He drives with us. That's going to be my first point. And then the second point, which I'm going to have a great emphasis on, is that our bros, okay, our friends, they fight with us. Amen? God drives with us. Our bros fight with us. That's really, and, and the only reason I, I was going to save my friends, but I, had, I ran out of text rooms, so I went with bros. <laughs> you know, plus I, I like it, my bros. And how many know who your bros are? Come on. You, you, you know, it, when, the, when the heat goes up, your temporary, casual, non-permanent friends, they show themselves. They, they, in the end, will just fend for themselves. Not that you can't fend for yourself as well, but a, a friend sticks closer than a brother. There's something. Ha, ha, ha. That was good. You know, and, and so God wants us, if we want to successfully navigate this path, then we have to understand that we need allies around us. Not in the how to win friends and influence people type of thing where you... You know, you smile at people and you make sure that they, you understand their goals just so you can get your goals. And I'm not saying that that was uh, Dale Carnegie's, you know, effort. But, but I, d I don't want it to be in some kind of phony way. You're trying to gather people so you can win. I'm talking about that you have a natural life of investing in people and they in you. And you've gone through the hard times. How many know when you have friends, you have hard times? Right? There are times when 
you blow it. I have done stupid things that another friend can interpret as a bad thing. And I'm gone, oh, I'm sorry, I blew it. Now, this friend could have just written me off, but they didn't, and they kept walking with me, and they watched me grow. Guess what? I'm not the same friend I was 20 years ago. You know, Jody and I are married, but we're also friends. You know, Pete and I have been friends for almost 28 years, 29 years, 30 years. Guess what? There's nothing I can do pretty much that can knock Pete out of my life, you know? And, and if I need a, a reflection of what I'm like right now and where I am or remind me of my roots or to, to test me, I can go to Pete and Pete will just tell me the truth in love. He, he will sh- tell me who I am and remind me who I am. I, I love my wife. One of the great things about her is she's compassionate, but she's also just, you want the straight scoop? Just talk to Jody. You know what I mean? Like, don't ask her, like, what do you think? Because she will absolutely tell you what she thinks, okay? And there's times when I go, I go, babe, you know, like, you need to, you know, like, I want her, I want us to go in this direction, so I want her to want to go in this direction, and she's like, I just don't have any peace about that. Great. (sighs) Go spend time with the Lord and get some peace and come back here, (laughs) right? But it just doesn't, you know, it's kind of like, she is my sounding board. And I, and I have, you know, Ira is one of my best friends. It's kind of like, I can trust Ira, you know? It, it's just like, you know, Ira's our care pastor, but, you know, Ira has, we all take different roles in our church, but there's nothing that Ira, that I wouldn't trust Ira with. You know, I know that I can count on him. I know that if he doesn't think that I'm going in the right direction in something, he will straight out challenge me because he cares about me, because he knows me. I know that if I'm trying to figure out where to go in the future, I can count on him to give me the, the right advice. And, and I have pastors and leaders and friends that are around me like that that keep my feet grounded. I have, I have a leader. And people go, you know, you're a pastor, you know. It's like, so you're like the kingpin. I'm the kingpin and nothing. Listen, I, I have the, the Lord is the king, Amen. But, 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 but it's okay. Pastor is like a shepherd role, uh, and not like a shepherd who controls you. I have pastors in my life that speak to me. And, and, and in some, I'm more competent in some areas than they are. But that doesn't matter. I open my heart to them because I want to be in different areas of my life under the guideship of the Lord. I want to keep safe. Well, you know, one of the requests of a leader, if someone even should be a leader one of the first things listed is that they have a good reputation with outsiders. How many have met religious leaders that have a terrible reputation with outsiders? Right? That's the first thing. I mean, how, how are you in the community? We have an accountability to our community. I'm, I'm just, I really want to get this, you know, I have scriptures and kind of carefully crafted here, you know, put together. But more than that, I want you to get the heartbeat is that we need each other to be able to be successful on this road. And you just remember the last time you're going through a real hard time that you don't remember that God probably sent you people to build you up, not tear you down. There might have been people tearing you down, and you probably had some temporary friends that kind of faded away. But there is, like I said, a friend that sticks closer than a brother that you know you can count on. 
you know, trust me, through the years, the whole, through the years I've been pastoring, I promise you, you sat there at times and going, why are they doing that? That's stupid. Said something about the church or looked at something the church did and go, well, I don't know. You know, this is too loud or that's, I don't know if that's right. You can criticize it. And how many have been at school and you go, I don't know if I like that guy. and that, that, that. You can criticize to the nth degree. But it's different when you're a part of the solution. Amen? Amen. amen. This is a real strong amen because I promise you, if you're not at the heartbeat of what I'm trying to share, I'm, I'm, I'm strongly exhorting you to get with the heart of the Lord. We will never be perfect friends, but God wants us to make deep friendships. That's why people love watching movies about a romance because they go, I, I want that. And they, they see movies that have, you know, a, a bromance and, you know, we stick together, our strong team that comes. Usually if it's TV, then they're all putting a bank heist together or something. You know what I mean? Like, we're all buddies, man. You know, we're the Furious 10. You know what I mean? And we're, we're going to go steal a bunch of cars and do a bunch of stuff. You know, we're us. We're trying to find our purpose. And, but we're conquerors in Christ too, amen? amen. Trust me, we don't, we don't jump like Vin Diesel does. You know what I mean? Uh, with, you know, with the CGI that he does. But we leap with faith and with power and watch whole lives transformed transformed. There we go. Amen. So I want us to remember just, I I quoted this last week, but I just want to get the first part of it, that the Lord is doing a new thing. And I told you I needed to preach this to myself uh, because I can hear scriptures just like you and go, okay, I know that scripture. And the Lord is awakening this in my soul. And it's not the new thing that he did before. It's a new thing I've never seen before. Amen? And whatever you're picturing, and some of you are facing sickness, you're not sure, I'm not sure how to go going, and that's how it went before with other people. God is doing a new thing right now. Amen? Amen. And he says, it springs up, you do not perceive it, and I love this, I'm making a way in the desert. A Christian mentioned it, you know, in his, um, um, during the communion, how every one of those disciples was in a bad place. They were in a rebellious place, but yet that's when the Lord is taking communion and breaking bread with them. That's the time. Away when you're in the desert. Streams when you're in the wasteland. This is the God that wants us to, to be with him. Amen? Just a couple more uh, presets and then it's a couple warning signs and I'll get to it. Um, he says, set up road signs. Put up the guidepost. Take note. Can you say it with me? Say, take note. Take, take note of the highway. Pay attention to what it is. The road that you take, it's important because he's going to be laying this whole thing out for Jeremiah. You got to follow what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep you in a narrow path that keeps you safe. And that's what the Lord wants to do with us. We got to check the details and see where each path leads. And then um, I, I love this from Ecclesiastes. He says, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense. And they show everyone how stupid they are. Don't you love that? You homeschool parents, this is what you need to teach your kids. Okay, just pull that scripture out. Fools walking along the road, not knowing where they're going without direction. All right, so let me give you a few warning signs that I've seen that are important. And this is why we need the Lord and why we need him to be our helper 
and then we need our friends, our bros to come alongside and help fight with us. God needs to drive with us. Our bros need to fight with us. First one here, just a quick one, detour. We get at least along the road where we think, oh, everything is going fine, and then you just did this detour, a bad medical report. You know, I have a close friend who just got a bad medical report, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, what do I do now? You know, and then all of a sudden it doesn't seem like you're getting the straight route. There's a, it says deviation. You know, you take a bypass. It's indirect now. But God's in charge. And then, and then here, just a couple signs that I saw here, road ahead closed. How many have seen that before? Right? You're going, oh, man, God's taking me on the road. I can't believe it. It's so awesome. And then you get this sign, road ahead closed. And I don't know about you, but that ticks me off. Doesn't it, you? I see that, and I just go, I can't believe it. And even when I'm talking with the Lord, I go, Lord, what are you doing? You're making me look bad. <laughs> How many look bad because of the Lord? <laughs> and, and, and the thing that bugs me, he doesn't care at all. Like I'm going, Lord, it's making me look bad. It's kind of like the Lord just goes, and? You know what I mean? It's like you, because you know the Lord is going to bring about the glory in your life from his power in his timing. And a little humility and a lot of character certainly won't hurt me. Amen? And then, you know, you see danger ahead or do not enter and rough road. You know, I saw one that said dangerous curves ahead. You know what I mean? I think people need to be warning some, you know, you never know how the road goes before. But if it says do not enter, you might be going down a wrong road. You might be just killing yourself. You know, I saw one sign that said brick wall ahead. You know, like what? Like five feet? You know, you're driving 50 yards ahead. Oh, you know, how fast are you going at that time? But you want to make sure that, that the Lord is with you. You're paying attention to the signs. The Lord has these guideposts. You're taking note of the highway. You're aware of yourself. Last week, I talked about the GPS, knowing where you are, who you are right now. And then allying yourselves with those that God has put around you. Some are over you. You know, they've gone ahead of you. They're leaders. They're authority figures in your life. Not authority, but you know what I mean? The streams of blessing above you. And there are your comrades. You know what I mean? You're both kind of walking the journey together. And then there are those that you're pouring into. And if you feel stuck, trust me, it's probably one of those three. You know, God's saying, hey, start pouring out. You start pouring out this way, and all of a sudden, God starts opening, pouring on top of you. And blessing. You start investing in people. I, I see teachers all the time that are working with kids, and they'll go, man, I started working with kids, and all of a sudden, I'm getting smarter. All of a sudden, God's investing me, and it's not just because they're going over the material. It's because there's a supernatural opening, you know? When I did kids' ministry, God ministered to me more than any other time. He broke more things in my life during that time. And, and I'm so thankful for that. So let's start with number one, and that's this. And Lord, I pray that you open this door. Lord, I know that it is difficult for us to lean on you because I want to drive the car by myself. Lord, it's like, hey, I got the license. Let me drive. I think I know where I want to go. And Lord, I want to drive with you, Lord, that you would lead me to the good place. Lord, like the kings of old who sought the men of God, now through Christ I can seek you directly. 
Lord, I can seek you, and I want your help. I want your guidance. I don't want it, and I want it. Lord, help my unbelief. Draw me near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know, he, he's the guru that we trust in. He's the one we have. In Deuteronomy, he says this. He says, when you go to war against your enemies, and it's really hard for us, especially this generation. Some of you have been to war before, you know, but it's hard in our generation. Our wars are kind of like over there. We're sending bombs. We're sending squadrons. And some of you are intimately touched because we have a lot of people in our church connected to the military. You have to see that these are horses and chariots, Lord of the Rings-style battle. You know, coming one to another with fighting. This is the the way that there's fighting here. And it's not if you're going to go to war with your enemies. We even see around the world today with ISIS and other kinds of things, these rebellious things and, you know, populations moving to Islamic, um, uh, um, I was to say not just Islamic, but um, um, uh, fundamentalists who believe that there is a hate, um, kill all the infidels mentality. And, and that's in the world, you know? That's in the world that we have to deal with. I mean, who would have thought my mother and my family tell me the stories of, of them being in Holland and just watching Hitler rise up, where first it was just a nationalism. You know, he, he's, he's, he's trying to rebuild since World War I and Germany's gone down. Let's rebuild. And, and, and many people were, were, were duped and betrayed even in Germany. And, and we want to hold Germany, you know, now, which is a great ally and a great nation, now, now for some you know, past crime. But who knows what kind of new things? I mean, the heart of man can be wicked, amen? I mean, how many have seen your own heart be wicked, right? None of us, I believe, are above becoming a Hitler type, you know, with the sinful nature. And he says, when you go to war against your enemies, you're going to see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. What, what would happen? I mean, right now, USA is, or USA, but what would happen? And what about in our personal lives when, when it seems like the, the enemy of the purpose God's trying to fulfill seems bigger than what we're trying to accomplish? And he says, when you see that, don't be afraid of them. I don't know about you, but our, our natural tendency is, oh, it's not going to happen, or I'm afraid of this. You know, I, I, I had the hardest time as a young person going to school where I lived in Los Angeles. You know, I, I mean, I would have to navigate streets because there was whole streets that were just gangs. And, and I just remember, I, I sometimes I'd have to go like a half a mile around this way just to get there. You know, and, I, and some of you know, one of my best friends got shot when, when I was in uh, 10th grade and, 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 and killed. And I had a lot of, lot of friends that were just either in prison or one thing after another. And I remember that fear. And, and my response to was, you know, be a better fighter. And I would train every day. Every day I would fight, you know, in different ways. And study, I studied all kinds of martial arts and you name it. I was pretty deadly. I mean, and I would, you know, hit, you know, break boards. And I had bags in my garage and stuff like that that I would, you know, and, and I would say to my friends, go ahead and try to hit me if you can. I bet you can't. You know, I bet you can't hurt me. Try as hard as you can. 
And I'd say that all the time. And that was kind of my ammo. It was like turning to myself, reinforcing my own power. It's like the person, I need to get more organized, get my Franklin plan or whatever it is. You know, get more. And, and there is some good to getting stronger and getting better and getting healthier. But ultimately, God is saying, don't be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you here, who brought you out, he's bringing you out of the deliverance. I'm going to be with you. Do I hear an Amen. God, we have a Lord that goes with us. He drives with us. He rides with us. There is power there. And then he says, when you go out about into the battle, he says, the priest shall come forward and address the army. Now, in, that, in those days, you have a priest representing God's presence and the spiritual power. So it would be like, almost kind of like me, the pastor in this day and age, coming before the army and saying, hey, listen, church. You're going to go to battle against your enemies. Don't be faint-hearted or afraid. Imagine the army getting ready to go into battle. You hear the thundering Philistine army, just you know, or the Amorites. You know, and you can hear the chariots rumble and the horses move, getting ready to move. And then all of a sudden, as you hear that rumble and as the army is moving forward, you know, the priest comes forward and addresses, do not panic. Don't be terrified. Keep your head forward. Keep straight on. For the Lord, your God, is the one who, say it with me, goes with you. He goes with you to fight for you. This is a picture of Jesus Christ taking his very presence and putting it into you and saying, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I am in you. He's in me. Where do you think this power that I'm talking about comes from? I know you've heard me and I know that you've seen the Lord in me speak to you. It's a power that's not found in Eric Van Rie. It's a power found in the king of kings who puts his royal presence into the peasant and says, I dwell in him. And God fills me and he can fill you. Amen? And he says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Many times they came to the, to, the, to the men of God or the women of God and say, should we fight? Is it the Lord? Is he going to go with us? Because as Moses said, Lord, if you're not in this, I don't want to go. I don't want to fight. Elijah many times would say, don't go in there. This is not the fight the Lord has for you. Wait. Why? Because well, their numbers are getting bigger. We're waiting. <laughs> don't you hate when the Lord does that? Stacks the odds even more against you and it's his plan. That's the way it goes sometimes. You know, 2 Chronicles 20, we have Jehaziel over here, the Levite prophet. You know, he's talking to King Jehoshaphat and some of his leaders. In fact, one of the leaders, he says to him, he goes, I don't even want to talk to you. I'm not even talking to you. You don't acknowledge the Lord at all, but I'm giving you this advice because Jehoshaphat's here. And the other guy's like, oh, okay, I guess I am kind of evil and wicked, but tell us what to do, <laughs> Right? He thinks it's some secret insight power, and he's saying, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, right? This is, this is King David, right? When he first finds the Philistines, 
and they send the big Goliath leader against him. And he says, this battle is not yours, but God's. Boy, there are some of us right now that are facing battles. And it's not just a battle of just good and evil. Sometimes it's direction or asking the Lord uh, to open up doors. This is not our battle. This is the Lord's battle. Amen? God can do things that we cannot even imagine that are greater than us. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, and we know that. We get the horse ready. We do our part. And God says, but the battle is the Lord's. Let me take them on. How many of you need to get the horse ready right now? Come on. Four of you? Raise your hand high. Just say, I need to get the horse ready. Okay? Now turn to someone who's got their hands up and say, but the battle's the Lord's. The battle's the Lord's. You go ahead and make your plan. In the New Testament, it looks like this. It says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that our victory comes. Because you might be at a point in your life where you just go, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm struggling with the sin. I'm trying to get through it. And then you go, how am I going to do it? And then the Lord says, but the victory will come through Christ. It's because of his redemption. You might be overcome by fear and discouragement, but the victory comes through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. It's like a royal victory march. And he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him. God is going to use our life to express who he is through our lives. This is very good news. Listen, how many need God to drive with you? Come on, you need God to drive. Can can you really just invite him in? Lord, drive with us. Ride with us. He's not doing it because you're inviting him in. He's already doing his plan, but he wants you to be aware of what he's doing. He's dwelling in you. Say, Lord, fill me. Walk with me. Show me the way to go. Teach me your ways. Guide me in your truths, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I, I really wanted to, I read the second part, bros fight with us. I, I can't tell you how important this is to me. Those who know me, can I tell you something? I'm a loyal friend. I'm, I'm not a friend who makes friends for a couple of years, and then I get some new friends, and I get some new friends. I mean, I make new friends, but I, I, if, if you're friends with me, you'll be friends. The only way you're going to break this friendship is you have to do it. You know, it's you know something that the gods wired in me. When I was in Holland, you know, I was in the back of this big, large crowd, and one of the pastors there is a leader of, you know, like seven, eight nations and the Christianity out there. He, he pulled me out. I was there for evangelism. I was lead, wasn't leading a team or anything. He put me in charge of that whole section of evangelism um, after this night. And he pulls and he points out at me and he goes, you, come here. And I come walking up there and he, he comes up to me and he puts, put his hand on me. What he hadn't realized is that the Lord had spoken to me out in the field in, um, in um, Bergenopzom in Holland. And he had just spoken to me just about he said, Eric, many call me Lord, but you, I, I consider you a friend. I knew the Lord spoke this to me. He was, he was touching the loyalty I had where I said, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. And this pastor called me out, and he pulled me in in front of this crowd, put his arm around my neck, leaned on me in a hug, 
and whispered, and he says, the Lord said, many called me Lord, but I call you friend. And, and, I, and I just, he whispered it in my ear, and I just broke down. And, and I just thought, through the years, I have realized how important deep friendship is. How important it is, and how there are, there are some of you that have been hurt by friendships, and you've been hurt by your brothers or your sister, and trust me, I, I have too. But, but I'm encouraging you to hope again, to, to open your heart once again. Not, not that you don't have any discretion, not that you don't have any protection at all. I'm not saying that you open yourself up just to be stabbed, but, I, but I'm saying that open up yourself with wisdom, with discretion, and say, Lord, make me a true friend. Don't worry about how everyone will be a friend to you, but worry about the kind of friend that you'll be, you know, the, the kind that sticks closer than a brother, a one that you can count on even in the tough times. I mean, I've had people totally betray me where I've thought, well, what, what, I just don't understand. And then I've had times where others have stuck up with me and said, Eric, I'm with you no matter what. Not because they're going to go, well, you were an idiot, but I don't care about that. No, you're an idiot, stop it, but I'm with you. How many know the difference, right? And how many know you need people around you telling you you're an idiot sometimes, right? Go ahead, tell someone they're an idiot real quick. <laughs> Man, you are an idiot. That, that way when you're driving home and someone says, how was church? I learned I was an idiot. Thank you. It was very uplifting. It was very encouraging. <clears throat> Listen, and I love parents because parents, you know, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm all right with you. And those are important. But sometimes you have to tell your kid that they're being a fool. Amen? You're being a fool. And you're losing. And you're not called to be a loser but a winner. Amen? As iron sharpens iron, so one person. And it is gender neutral there. But it says some, some of your uh, versions is one man sharpens another. But one person sharpens another person. It's like, it's like the iron. It, 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 they, they go like this and they make them better. It's sharper, more effective tool. A, a softer way, I don't have it up there, but in Galatians it says carry each other's burdens. C- carry the burdens of someone else. And then you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now, don't, don't carry the burden and then hold on to it. Carry the burden because you're mature and hand it to the Lord. Take the burden from them. Let me take this from you. Let me take this from you. And then don't just go, oh, I've got everybody's burden and be one of those ministers or pastors or leaders or business owners who have to quit after a few years because you've got 20 million burdens. Right? You should quit. Because what you should do is you should take those and you should can them to the Lord where they belong. Amen? Amen. Cast your cares. Cast your burdens on him. You know, I I saw that sign there, share the road. Share the road there. And and many people have heard this scripture in weddings, but I just want to touch on it before I I get to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Two are better than one. Two are what? It's better than one. Two or more gathered is better than one gathering by themselves. Oh, we love the prayer in secret in the closet. But guess what? God also likes it when two are together and declare and agree what the will of God is. Two come in agreement. Why? Because why are two better than one? Because they have a good return for their labor. It's better. 
You hit more of the angles. You're in a business relationship. One handles maybe more of the finances. Other handles maybe more of the intellectual property. Or maybe this one knows this kind of skill and another person knows that kind of skill. One's an encourager. One keeps everyone on track. Another one has a different role. And it makes you better. And trust me, your employees know if they're part of the team or they're just an employee. They know it because it's the way you talk. It's the way you divide the money that you get. It's important. It's how you talk about it. If either one, if you got two, one of them falls, the other one can help them up. Married couples, marriage is like that. Sometimes you're the one who just feels weak. And then your, your spouse can go, hey, let me help you up. Let me encourage you. And then sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you're both strong. But when you're both weak, you need that third cord, don't you? And it's, not, it's, it's the Lord, but it's not always the Lord. Sometimes it's the Lord through someone else. They help them. It, it is, and so the three-cord strand helps you up. It's that third part that brings you up. Amen. So sometimes we need that third pose. And he says, but pity, he says, one can help the other, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I was, t- I was talking to a, a gal at, uh, at Smith's, and she said, uh, she said, she goes, I don't have anybody. And I go, well, you do now. And I go, oh, and I go, you got me. I'll be your brother. And she goes, really? She's like, no, you're not mean. And I go, no, I mean it. Why don't you come to our house for Thanksgiving? What are you doing on Thanksgiving? You know, and it's kind of like, you know, because it's a woman, you know, I sent Jody in there to talk with her so she didn't think something funny was going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she, she doesn't have to wonder if something funny's going on. She knows that there's nothing going on by the way that I act. I don't act intimate. I don't play touchy-feely, right? She needs to know that I'm someone who she can trust. But guess what? What do you think the body of Christ is here for? Not to be friends with the ways of the world, but to reach out and love the world and to love each other. How much better will we be if you have me and I have you? How much better will we be? You're sitting in a row if I have them and they have me. We're so much better. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can anyone keep warm alone? It's a lot more difficult. You're stuck in the snow. You're stuck in the ice, stuck in the cold weather. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The, the, the more that they're weaved, these relationships are in, it's harder to break apart. It becomes one of those things that as you meld the relationships in, it's hard to, to come against it. My family is like that. It's an, it's an inner weave. It's hard, not that we want to be a, a, a clique, but, but, but we want to protect what the Lord has given us. I want our name to do well. I want the Van Ree name to mean something. A good name is to be desired more than riches. It's important. How many say amen? amen. Now, in, in 2 Samuel, okay, uh, we have the names of David's mighty warriors. I'm going to get this in. Now, this is, I love, how many know I love the scripture? Anybody? I've preached on this before. Um. And I've mentioned it a couple times, but I just want to go through it real quick. I love this scripture because it's when David is uttering his last words in Samuel 23 and 24. It's his last words as the king who's reigned over a bunch of stuff that's happened. 
Now, he does blow it as we get into that chapter where he starts to count the, the fighting men in the census to see how many he has, and the Lord disciplines him, and there's some great discipline. But when he's summarizing this, and he's saying, how did I get here? How did I get here? The scripture utters through God, through David. Hey, David didn't do this himself. This guy was a mighty warrior before the Lord. How many want to be named like that? You know what I mean? Most people don't know Cliff Barrows. It was Cliff Barrows, but everyone's heard Billy Graham. But can I know you, Cliff Barrows was his right-hand man for years. I've met him. I've worked with him. You know what? He worked on a Bible product that I worked on. He, he was a man of God, and God used him in all kinds of ways. Not everybody's the main leader. Sometimes, you know, there's multiple leaders, but sometimes you're, you play a second as a role. I did that for a lot of years in a lot of different ways. I still do in other ways. Gosh, I, I, I love this because as David is summarizing his life, all of a sudden it's listed, and it's listed by the tribes. There's like 37 in all listed. There's the mighty three that stuck with him. They were mighty warriors, and not only were they mighty warriors, but they fought on Israel's behalf. They're like in the Hall of Fame. How many think that's pretty cool? You, you know, and, and this is where it is. And it says, and I love this because they name the names. And I hope that God has inspired you in such a way that your name will be named. Not just, man, I made it to paradise as one escaping through the flames. But, you know, it's like, I made it. Thank you, Jesus. But one who saw the power of the Lord and began to see the streams of living water flow out of their heart and mind and mouth and life. And started making the impact. And I love this. It says, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. This is when the Philistines surrounded him and, and he needed a, a way out. They protected him. I mean, we're talking about some real studs here. Mighty men trained in war. And this war analogy is a war analogy that we can have in our own, not just in war because we should be able to fight, but I think also in a spiritual thing, putting on the armor of God defending things in the power of faith and being a protector of people. But in this, in the Old Testament, they had enemies that were surrounding them and fighting them and killing them and going after their women and children. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joseph, Bashabeth, the Tachanamite. I've said this like 3,000 times just to practice, and that's all I got out of that. Tachanamite, there it is. He was chief of the three, and he was an awesome guy, except he had a stupid name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joseph. Doesn't he understand that it's Joseph, not Joseph? I mean, what kind of creativity is that with his parents? No, I'm kidding. Listen, it says he raised his spear again. Say it with me, 800 men. We're talking whom he killed in one encounter. You have a warrior here who is defending the people. I mean, we have a prayer ministry that we're starting, and I'm hoping that there are people that will step up that says, I will fight. But, but, but if we have a, sometimes a dedication, can you come to church early and we're going to pray? It's like, what, 15 minutes early? i got to wake up? Are you kidding me? That is not the camaraderie I'm talking about. I'm talking about where this guy raised his spear. And, and there are times when you've got to raise your spear that just says that I'm in the battle with you. 
I have men, women of God around me who raise their spear for me. And it's not just for me, it's for the Lord. It coincides with the mission they have. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they defied. Some of your versions say they taunted. They taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasta Min for battle. I love this line. Then the Israelites retreated. And that's how it is. You get in this situation, of course the crowd is going to, they're going to back up. They're, they can't believe it. They're going to be afraid. And it says, but Eliezer stood his ground. Say it with me. He what? He stood his ground. It's kind of like he, he's, he's got his, his, his sword. He's ready to go. And he says, and the enemy rises up. And it says, and all the people backed up like this. And they, you can feel the rumble, and they're backing up, and they're moving back. They're 10 yards. They're 50 yards. They're 25 yards. What are we going to do? And it's kind of like he leans forward, and he stands his ground. The men of God, stand your ground. In your house, stand your ground. There are times when you just have to get your feet dug in. I don't care how you blew it. And trust me, these men had times when they blew it. You knock a mighty man down, yet a wise man, he'll get up. He'll be strong. And we rise up under God's mighty hand. Amen? And I love it. It says, he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. It's like, it's like, imagine a guy, you know, like this, trying to defend the people, trying to f- defend the king, and then getting to the point where he's like this. And the Israelites finally gathered together. Let's do it. That is loyalty. This is the bros who fight with you along the road. Victory does not happen for David. By the way, I'm not angry, and I am passionate. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, he stands his ground. And look what the answer is the Lord is. It says, the Lord brought about a great victory that day. It's like like Eliezer was a conduit of the Lord's power. I mean, imagine what he felt. You know, as the horses, the chariots that are coming forward, everyone's backing up. And it's like the tendency is to go back and it's like leaning forward. In standing your ground, I go in faith that God is with thee. This battle is the Lord's. And he stands there in power. So he raised a spear. He stood his ground. He struck down the enemies. May the Lord grant you victory. Amen? Amen. And then here is the last one. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. And that's what I learned about the crowd. The crowd is scared and embracing shame and running away. That's how it is. That's what I've learned. That's what I've learned being a pastor. That's what I've learned being a leader. That's what I've learned coaching teams. That so many times the crowd goes in. There's plenty of times where I've coached a team where I've looked for the one player who will just go, I got it, coach. 
Or I'll say, all right, let's get some 50 push-ups. And you got the one, I don't know if we should, I don't know if we can, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the one kid's going, hey, guys, come on. We could do this. And I'm going, there's my captain. There's the captain. There he is. Then you just hear some other kid going, that's right, let's do it, man. Come on, we want to win. And all of a sudden, you start to see a rallying happen, and it changes. In the body of Christ, too, there's so many fleeing, fleeing from the end times, fleeing from all the things in. Why don't we stand our ground? Israel's going to flee, but Shema took his stand. Look where? In the middle of the field. I cannot understand how incredible this is. Like, you know, I, it, for some of us, he took his stand behind the mountain with his remote control drawing. It's not the same thing, is it? This is swords and spears, and it says, imagine here's the field of battle, and he's going, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready! I'll take my stand. It's like taking his stand right in the middle of the field while Israel fled. It wasn't like he's going, come on, guys, come on. Let's go in the middle of the field. Come on, can you? You going to go with me? Listen, if, if we waited, if leaders, you out there, waited every time a bunch of people were going to join you, you will never go. There are times when I have felt the Lord said, you confront the spiritual battle in Utah and you face it. And I walked forward in trepidation and stood there. And I could feel the power of the enemy. And the Lord says, defeat him. Where we stand strong because of the power of God, because it's not our battle, it's the Lord's battle. And may the Lord bring victory in your life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He defended it and struck the Philistines. I'm closing with this. And the Lord brought about a great victory. They raised their spears. They stood their ground. They struck down their enemies. They defended David and the people. (sighs) Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. They go backwards. Oh, I was stuck on the pills. I'm going back to the pills. They rely on horses. Yeah, I think I got the ammunition. I think our retirement. What's our retirement numbers at? Yeah, they're okay. We're feeling pretty good. Really? That's how you're going to live? You're not going to risk? For the kingdom, for the poor, for the needy? All the things are out who must trust in the multitude of their chariots. I think we got enough weapons and stuff. And then the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. It's victory road. Why don't you close your eyes? God drives with us. Our bros fight with us. Listen, I've already asked you if you want the Lord to drive with you. Just say it again. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want you to drive. And then I want to know if you, not from me. This isn't a rally crying to recruit people to Sunday school. This is you listening to the Lord to do what he said. Right? Like Joseph. And you say, I want to be that bro. And it's for girls too. In the old, in the, in the old days, it was just the men and, and Deborah, and we had some great leaders. In the New Testament, God pours his spirit into you too, ladies. That power that raises Jesus Christ, ladies, 
is in you. He is in you. He is great in you. And you say, Lord, I want to be the bro. I want to be the sister in the Lord. I want to be the ally. I want to be the friend. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to be your ally. I want to partner with those, Lord, that they know that they can count on me. And Lord, I pray that you do that through their family vehicle. I pray that you do that through the friendship vehicle. And I pray that you do it through the life of the church. May each community and community group be filled with those devoted to one another, carrying each other's burdens, ready to fight the battle, and we submit our hearts to you. Lord, we put our trust in you. Amen. Amen. How many got something from the Lord this morning?